Chapter Three, Part One of Constance Dunlap by Arthur B. Reeve. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Gunrunners, Part One. We'll land here, Mrs. Dunlap. Raymond Santos, terror of the Washington State Department and of a half dozen consulates in New York, stuck a pin in a map of Central America spread out on a table before Constance. Insurrectos will meet us, he pursued, then added, But we must have money first, my dear Signora, plenty of money. Dark of eye and skin, with black imperial and mustache, tall, straight as an arrow, Santos had risen and was now gazing down with rapt attention, not at the map, but at Constance herself. Every curve of her face and wave of her hair, every line of her trim figure, which her filmy gown seemed to accentuate rather than conceal, added fire to his ardent glances. He touched lightly another pin, sticking in the little, almost microscopic island of the Caribbean. "'Our plan, it is simple,' he continued, with animation in spite of his foreign accent. "'On this island, a plant to print paper money, to coin silver. With that we shall land, pay our men as they flock to us, collect forces, seize cities, appropriate the customs. Once we start, it is easy.' Constance looked up quickly. "'But that is counterfeiting!' she exclaimed. "'No,' rejoined Santos. "'It is a war measure. We, the provisional government, merely coin our own money. Besides, it will not be done in this country. It will not come under your laws.' There was a magnetism about the man that fascinated her as he stood watching the effect of his words. Instinctively she knew that it was not alone enthusiasm over his scheme that inspired his confidences. Though we are not counterfeiters, we do not know what moment our opponents may set your secret service to destroy all our hopes. Besides, we must have money now to buy machinery, arms, ammunition. We must find someone, he lowered his voice, who can persuade American bankers and merchants to take risks to gain valuable concessions in the new state. Santos was talking rapidly and earnestly, urging his case on her. We are prepared, he hurried on, confidentially, to give you, Signora, half the money that you can raise for these purposes. He paused and stood before her. He was certainly a handsome figure, this soldier of fortune, and he was at his best now. Constance looked out of the window of her sitting-room. This was a business proposition, not to be influenced by any sentiment. She watched the lights moving up and down the river and bay. There were craft from the ends of the earth. She speculated on their romantic secrets hidden in liner and tramp. Surely they could scarcely be more romantic than the appeal Santos was making. "'Will you help us?' urged Santos, leaning further over the map to read her averted face. In her loneliness after she had given up Murray Dodge, life in New York had seemed even more bitter to Constance than before. Yet the great city cast a spell over her, with its countless opportunities for adventure. She could not leave it but had taken a suite in a quiet boarding-house overlooking the bay from the heights in Brooklyn. One guest in particular had interested her. He was a Latin American, Ramon Santos. She noticed that he seldom appeared at breakfast or luncheon, but at dinner he often ordered much as if it were seven o'clock in the morning instead of the evening. He was a mystery, and mysteries interested her. Did he work all night and sleep all day? What was he doing?' 
she was astonished a few nights after her arrival to receive a call from the mysterious evening breakfaster pardon i intrude he began gracefully presenting his card but i have heard how clever you are signora dunlap a friend in an importing firm has told me of you a mr dodge constance was startled at the name murray had indeed written a little note expressing his entire confidence in mr santos formal as it was constance thought she could read between the lines the same feeling toward her that he had expressed at their parting santos gave her no time to live over the past you see mrs dunlap he explained as he led up to the object of his visit the time has come to overthrow the regime in central america for a revolution which will bring together all the countries in a union like the old united states of central america he had spread out the map on the table only he added we would call the new state vespuccia we queried constance yes my colleagues you call it in english we have a junta with headquarters in an old loft on south street in new york santos indicated the plan of campaign on the map we shall strike a blow he cried bringing his fist down on the table as if the blow had already fallen that will paralyze the enemy at the very start he paused will you help us raise the money he repeated earnestly constance had been inactive long enough the appeal was romantic almost irresistible besides no at the outset she put out of consideration any thought of the fascinating young soldier of fortune himself the spirit of defiance of law and custom was strong upon her that was all yes she replied i will help you santos leaned over and with a graceful gesture that she could not resent raised her fingertips gallantly to his lips thank you he said with a courtly smile we have already won the next day ramon introduced her to the other members of the junta it was evident that he was in fact as well as name their leader but they were not like the usual oily plotters of revolution who congregate around the round tables in dingy back rooms of south street cafes apportioning the gold lace the offices and the revenues among themselves there was an air about them that was different let me present captain lee gordon of the royal remarked santos coming to a stockily built sunburned man with the unmistakable look of the anglo-saxon who has spent much time in the neighborhood of the tropical sun the arroyo is the ship that is to carry the arms and the plant to the island from brooklyn we chose brooklyn because it is quieter over there fewer people late at night on the streets captain gordon bowed without taking his eyes off constance i am like yourself mrs dunlap a recent recruit he explained it is a wonderful plan he added enthusiastically we shall sweep the country with it he flicked off the ash of his inevitable cigarette much as if it were the opposition of the governments they were to encounter it was evident that the captain was much impressed by constance yet she instinctively disliked the man his camaraderie had something offensive about it as contrasted with the deferential friendship of santos with all her energy however constance plunged directly into her work indeed even at the start she was amazed to find that money for a revolution could be raised at all she soon found that it could be done more easily in new york than anywhere else in the world 
There seemed to be something about her that apparently appealed to those whom she went to see. She began to realize what a tremendous advantage a woman of the world had in presenting the case and convincing a speculator of the rich returns if the revolution should prove successful. More than that, she quickly learned that it was best to go alone, that it was she, quite as much as the promised concessions for tobacco, salt, telegraph, telephone monopolies, that loosed the purse-strings. Her first week's report of pledges ran into the thousands with a substantial immediate payment of real dollars. "'How did you do it?' asked Santos in undisguised admiration, as she was telling him one night of her success in the dusty, cobweb little ship chandlery on South Street, where the Junta headquarters had been established. "'Dollar diplomacy,' she laughed, not displeased at his admiration. "'We shall soon convert American dollars into Vespuccian bullets.' They were alone, and a week had made much difference in the fascinating friendship to Constance. "'Let me show you what I have done,' Raymond confided. "'Already I have started together the counterfeiting plant, as you call it.' Piece by piece, as he had been able to afford them, he had been ordering the presses, the stamping machine, and a little reading or milling machine for the edges of the coins. "'The paper, the ink, and the bullion. We shall order now, as we can,' he explained, resting his head on his elbow at the table beside her. "'Everything will be secured from firms which make mint supplies for foreign governments. A photo-engraver is now engaged on the work of copying the notes. He is making the plates by the photo-etching process, the same as that by which the real money-plates are made.' Then, too, there will be dyes for the coins. Coined silver will be worth twice the cost of the bullion to us. Why, he added eagerly, a few more successful days, signora, and we shall have even arms and ammunition. A key turned in the door. Santos sprang to his feet. It was Gordon. Ah, good evening, the captain greeted them. The fact that they had been talking so earnestly alone was not lost on him. May I join the conspiracy? he smiled. What luck today! By the way, I have just heard of a consignment of a thousand rifles, as good as new, that can be bought for a song. Santos, elated at the progress so far, told hastily of Constance's success. Let us get an option on them for a few days, he cried. Good, agreed Gordon. Only, he added, shaking his finger playfully at Constance, as the three left the headquarters, don't let the commander-in-chief monopolize all your time. Remember, we all need you now. Santos, that was an inspiration to get Mrs. Dunlap on our side. Somehow she felt uncomfortable. She half imagined that a frown had flitted over Santos's face. Are you going to Brooklyn? she asked him. No, we shall be working at the Junta late tonight, he replied, as they parted at the subway, he and Gordon to secure the option of the guns, she to plan for the morrow. "'I have made a good beginning,' she congratulated herself, when, later in her rooms, she was going over the list of names of commissioned merchants who handled produce of South American countries. There was a tap on the door. Quickly she shoved the list into the drawer of the table. "'A gentleman to see you downstairs, ma'am,' announced the maid. As she pushed aside the portieres, her heart gave a leap. It was Drummond. "'Mrs. Dunlap,' began the wily detective seeming to observe everything with eyes that seldom had the appearance of looking at anything. "'I think you will recall that we have met before.' Constance bit her lip. 
"'And why again?' she queried curtly. "'I am informed,' he went on coolly, ignoring her curtness, "'that there is a guest in this house named Santos. "'Ramon Santos,' he said it in a half-insinuating, half-questioning tone. "'You might inquire of the landlady,' replied Constance, now perfectly composed. "'Mrs. Dunlap,' he burst forth, exasperated, "'what is the use of beating about? "'Do you know the real character of this Santos?' "'It is a matter of perfect indifference,' she returned. "'Then you do not think a warning from me worth troubling about?' demanded the detective. Constance continued to stand as if to terminate the interview. "'I came here,' continued the detective, showing no evidence of taking the hint, "'to make a proposition to you, Mrs. Dunlap. You are in bad again, but this time there is a chance for you to get out without risk. I—I think I may talk plainly. We understand each other.' His manner had changed. Constance could not have described to herself the loathing she felt for the man as it suddenly flashed over her what he was after. If she had resented his familiarity before, it brought the stinging blood to her cheeks now to realize that he was actually seeking to persuade her to betray her friends. "'Do you want to know what I think?' she scorned, then without waiting added, "'I think you are a crook, a blackmailer. That's what I think of a private detective like you.' The defiance of the little woman amazed even Drummond. Instead of fear as of the pursued, Constance Dunlap showed all the boldness of the pursuer. "'You have to stop this swindling,' the detective raged, taking a step closer to her. "'I know the bankers you have fooled. I know how much you have worked them for.' "'Swindling?' she repeated coolly in assumed surprise. "'Who says I am swindling?' "'You know well enough what I mean.' This revolution that is being planned to bring about the new state of Vespuccia, as your friends Santos and Gordon call it. Vespuccia? Santos? Gordon? Yes, he shouted. Vespuccia, Santos, Gordon. And I'll go further. I'll tell you something. You may not care to hear. Drummond leaned over closer to her in his favorite bulldozing manner when he dealt with a woman. All the malevolence of the human bloodhound seemed concentrated in his look. "'Who forged those Carlton Realty checks?' he hissed. "'Who played off the weakness of Dumont and Beverly against the clever thefts of Murray Dodge? "'Who is using a counterfeiter and a soldier of fortune "'and swindling honest American bankers and businessmen as no man-crook? "'You seem to like that word, crook, could ever do.' "'Constance met him calmly. "'Oh,' she laughed airily, "'I suppose you mean to imply that it is I.' "'I don't imply.' he ground out, I assert, accuse. Constance shrugged her pretty shoulders. I want to tell you that I am employed by the Central American Consulates in this city, blustered Drummond, and I am waiting only for one thing, the moment an order is given for the withdrawal of that stuff from the little shop in South Street. You know what I mean. I am ready. I shall not be alone, then. You will have the power of the United States Secret Service to deal with this time, my clever lady." "'Well, what of that?' "'There is this much of it. I warn you now against working with this Santos. He, you, can make no move that we do not know.' Why had Drummond come to see her? Constance was asking herself. The very insolence of the man seemed to arouse all the combativeness of her nature. The detective had thought to throw a scare into her. She turned suddenly and swept out of the room. "'I thank you for your kindness,' she said icily. It is unnecessary. Good night. 
In her own room she paced the floor nervously, now that the strain was off. Should she desert Santos and save herself? He had more need of her help now than ever before. She did not stop to analyze her own feelings. She knew he had been making love to her during the past week, as only a Spaniard could. It fascinated her without blinding her. Yes, she would match her wits against this detective, clever though she knew he was. But Santos must be warned. Santos and Gordon were alone when she burst in on them, breathlessly, an hour later at the Junta. "'What is the matter?' inquired Ramon, quickly, placing a chair for her. Gordon looked his admiration for the little woman, though he did not speak it. She saw him cast a sidewise glance at Santos and herself. Though the three were friends, it was evident to her that Gordon did not trust Santos any further than the suspicious Anglo-Saxon trusts a foreigner, usually when there is a woman in the case. "'The Secret Service!' exclaimed Constance. "'I have just had a visit from a private detective employed by one of the consulates. They know too much. He has threatened to tell all to the Secret Service, has even had the effrontery to ask me to betray you.' "'The scoundrel!' burst out Santos impulsively. "'You are not frightened?' Gordon asked quickly. "'On the contrary, I expected something of the sort soon. But not from this man. I can meet him.' "'Good!' exclaimed the captain. There was that in his voice that caused her to look at him quickly. Santos had noticed it, too, and a sullen scowl spread over his face. Intuitively, Constance read the two men before her. She had fled from one problem to a greater. Both Santos and Gordon— were in love with her. In the whirl of this new discovery, two things alone crowded all else from her mind. She must contrive to hold off Drummond until that part of the expedition which was ready could be got off, and she must play the jealous rivals against each other with such finesse as to keep them separated. Far into the night after she had left the Junta, she debated the question with herself. She could not turn back now. The attentions of Gordon were offensive, yet she could have given no other reason than that she liked Santos the better. Yet what was Santos to her, after all? Once she had let herself go too far, she must be careful in this case. She must not allow this to be other than a business proposition. The crisis for her came sooner than she had anticipated. It was the day after the visit of Drummond. She was waiting at the Junta alone for Santos when Gordon entered. She had dreaded just that. There was no mistaking the man. "'Mrs. Dunlap,' began Gordon, bending down close over her. She was almost trembling with emotion, and he saw it. "'You can read me like a book,' he hurried on, mistaking her feelings. "'I can see that you know how much I think of you, how much I—' "'No, no,' she implored. "'Don't talk to me that way. Remember, there is work to do. After it is over, then—' "'Work,' he scorned. What is the whole of Central America to me, compared to you? Captain Gordon, she stood facing him. You must not. Listen to me. You do not know. I— Please, please, leave me. Let me think. She did not dare accept him. She could not reject him. It seemed that with an almost superhuman effort, Gordon gripped himself. But he did not go. Constance was distracted. What if Santos, with his fiery nature, should find Gordon talking to her alone? She must temporize. One week, she murmured, when the arroyo sails, that night I shall give you my answer. Gordon shot a peculiar glance at her, half doubt, half surprise. But she was gone. 
as she hurried unexpectedly out of the junta she fancied she caught a glimpse of a familiar figure it must have been drummond every move at the junta was being watched at the boarding-house all night she waited she must see santos plan after plan whirled through her brain as the hours dragged it was not until almost morning that seeing a light he tapped cautiously at her door you were not at the junta tonight he remarked there was something of jealousy in the tone no there is something i wanted to say to you where we should not be interrupted she answered as he sat down a fold of her flimsy house-dress fluttered near him involuntarily he moved closer his eyes met hers she could feel the passion surging in the man beside her i saw drummond again to-day she began captain gordon the intense look of hatred that blazed in the eyes of santos frightened her what might have happened if he instead of gordon had met her at the junta she could not have said but now she must guard against it it flashed over her that there was only one thing to be done she rose and laid her hand on his arm as quickly the look changed there was only one way to do it she must make this man think they understood each other without saying so you must get the counterfeiting plant down on the island immediately alone don't tell any of the others until it is there safely you were going to send it down on the arroyo next week it must not go from new york at all it must be shipped by rail and then from new orleans you must but gordon his voice was hoarse she looked at santos long and earnestly i will take care of him she said in a tone that santos could not mistake no raymond no after the revolution perhaps who shall say but now to work it was with a sigh of relief that she sank to rest at last when he had gone for the moment she had won end of part one of chapter three